welcome to the Farm Bits Podcast, a product of Nebraska Extension Digital Agriculture. I'm Jackson Stansel. And I'm Samantha Teton. And we come to you each week to discuss the trends, the realities, and the value of digital agriculture. Through interviews and panels with experts, producers, and innovators from all sectors of digital technology, we hope that you step away from each episode with new practical knowledge of digital agriculture technology. Welcome back to the Farm Bits podcast for the third episode in our Precision Crop Protection series. When it comes to diseases, timeliness of preventative measures is critical to ensuring that as much crop yield potential as possible is maintained. We heard from Trace Genomics in the first episode of this series about technology that leverages soil microbiological analysis to warn farmers of disease potential in their fields. In this episode, we welcome Christine White, CEO of Spornado, to learn more about how Spornado is using spores of fungal pathogens detected in fields to help farmers stay ahead of potential diseases. Christine was trained as an environmental engineer and translated work that she was previously doing with indoor airborne fungal analysis to the Spornado technology. While the Spornado itself is not specifically digital, there is significant potential for further digitalization and data collected via the Spornado may be effectively leveraged alongside other digital tools. Let's learn more about Spornado through our interview here with Christine. and I am the CEO of Spornado. Um, my background is actually looking at air quality and fungi, but indoors. So I spent many years um, in environmental engineering, you know, going through buildings, um, looking uh, at um, air quality issues, um, doing a lot of sampling for fungi indoors. Um, and then around, gosh, it was probably 10 years ago, I um, went over to the lab side of things and I started working at the microbiology lab that analyzed my samples for many, many years. Um, so yeah, that's kind of my background in terms of how I got involved with uh, air sampling, with fungi. Um, it was mostly um, actually in the indoor environment. So, uh, I've been um, operations manager at the microbiology lab for a number of years. And how Spornado started is we got a phone call one day and it was kind of, you know, those kind of friend of the friend type calls. Sure. Um, they uh, wanted to do some spore monitoring outdoors. And what they were looking for was an easy to use wind powered air sampler that farmers could put in their fields. And okay. I said, oh, okay, yeah, you know what? No problem. Um, I'm going to call it my suppliers. I'll find you something. No problem. <laughs> so I, I started looking and I was really surprised. There actually wasn't anything. You know, the only um, air, then this is around five years ago, the only air samplers um, used outdoors in agriculture were, you know, very large, expensive units um, that university researchers, um, government researchers mostly used, you know, one, because of their complexity and two, you know, because of the price tag of, you know, 20,000 and up. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I uh, reported this back to um, the person that was looking um, for the air sampler. And um, at that point, you know, I said, you know, there really isn't anything. I said, however, you know, would you like us to design one? Sure. Um, the owner of the lab that, um, you know, that I'm associated with, he's a professor at University of Toronto. So 
really easy for us to put together a team of people um, through the university that uh, could um, design and uh, test the sampler. And um, so they, they said, yeah, that would be great. Um, and I'm, I should have mentioned, sorry, that this was a large crop protection company okay. um, that, that wanted to do this work. Um, they wanted to do this for monitoring um, and potatoes specifically. So okay. that's kind of how we started out. Um, the agreement was we would design the sampler and keep the IP. Awesome. And uh, yeah, so the, that first season, it was used in potato and late flight. Um, and, you know, we kind of thought, okay, that was great. That was a fun little project. Um, and then surprisingly, we started getting phone calls the next year for the next season of different groups that were interested in using um, the sampler that had heard of it. So um, we saw, you know, definitely there was a demand um, that, you know, growers wanted to know um, what was going on, you know, in the air, in their fields. Right. Um, and, and, you know, we were quite surprised that this wasn't being done, you know? So uh, yeah, we spun Spornado out um, into a separate company. And that's how it all started. We got our start in potato, and now we're in a number of different crops. And so, so how exactly does the Spornado work? I mean, it sounds like a, a really demanded, um, demanded device. But you know, you, you said it's air powered and it collects spores in the field. Um, I'm just, I'm, I'm curious. You know, I've I've seen pictures, but I'm sure our listeners would love to hear kind of a description of it. Yeah, sure. It's this. It's a simple cone shape. Um, that a, uh, has a, a, a wind vane on the back. So um, it's on a pivot. It's as easy to install as hammering a pole in the ground. Nice. It mounts on this pole and it pivots with the wind. So it's always facing into the wind. And inside that cone is a, um, a small, um, around one and a half inch diameter, um, a plastic cassette. And that cassette um, holds a membrane um, that actually collects, um, the spores from the air. Gotcha. And so what are some of the challenges of, of capturing and measuring those spores within a crop field? I mean, I mean, how did you go about developing this? Was it very similar to kind of the indoor samplers that you you'd worked with before? Or was there, were there a lot of new design challenges that came with being in an agricultural environment where you may have irrigation or you may, uh, you know, have very tall crops that, that maybe, uh, impede on, on wind flow, stuff like that. So, yeah, the interesting, there was some unique challenges. So for indoors, it's generally um, good enough to know the genus of um, the mold of the fungi. Okay. So you can identify it under the microscope um, to the genus level. Now, the thing with plant pathogens is, is that's not enough. You have to go um, beyond the genus to the species level. Um, so, uh, the key there is that can't usually, um, be determined under a microscope. So the big thing is, uh, with the agricultural, uh, fungal pathogens, we need to test it by DNA analysis. So we can get that highly, um, sensitive and specific, um, identification of not just the, the genus. So not just like, um, for instance, uh, Phytophthora. You want to know the species. Is it Phytophthora infestans? Because that's a specific one that will uh, cause disease. So yeah, that was the the, the big challenge. Is it it, um, it does have to be DNA analysis. 
and uh, spatially, how many units would be required in a in, within a single field for the Spornado to measure and predict disease issues before they occur? Yeah, so what um, we have found that uh, one Spornado per field up to around 100 acres is um, a good kind of um, coverage. Now, if you perhaps had a vineyard that you know had maybe some very different localized conditions in certain areas, maybe a really wet area or another area that you had had disease problems with historically, you might want to put another one in. Um, if it's a very homogenous, large, you know, wheat fields, you know, that could be extended a bit. But you know, roughly sure. speaking, the guidelines run one per farm up to a hundred acres. And so on that front, if it has to be DNA analysis, I mean, that, that obviously can't be done right now, uh, or at least not inexpensively on the actual unit there in the field. And so how exactly do you go about getting these analyses executed? And is there a certain standard protocol that you run? I'd love to hear more about that side of, of Spornado. Yeah, sure. So the this cassette that I described, it's um, changed out of the, the sampler at regular intervals. And again, that's that's crop dependent. Um, that cassette is then um, put into a uh, an envelope and couriered off to a partner lab overnight. Um, these partner labs uh, they use standard protocols um, and they participate in QAQC programs with us to um, make sure that we have consistent testing across the board. And then within 24 hours, the agronomist or the grower, whoever sent in the cassette they get the results sent back to them via email or text. And so is that, is that 24 hour? I mean, that sounds like a very convenient and pretty quick turnaround, especially for like DNA lab testing. Is that 24 hours uh, typically enough for a farmer to get out ahead of these diseases? What have you seen on your end, uh, Christine, as far as the time uh, that a farmer has to really get on top of the diseases that are, are captured via the Spornado. With fungal diseases, um, these products work best if they're used preventatively. So before the diseases um, set in. So early alert is so important. And what we're finding is we can, in, for instance, in potato for late light, we're finding spores in the air um, seven to 10 days before any um, impact on an untreated field. Wow. So yeah, so that gives the grower, you know, a good week to get out there and, and spray. Sure. And so I, I guess on that front, I'm just, you know, thinking about the cassette removal and sending, you know, things into a lab uh, analytically. I mean, is there is there any particular warning or I, I guess uh, message that goes out to whoever is in charge of managing that particular Spornado unit to let them know that there may be um, fungi spores on the cassette that need to be sent in? Is this something that is is kind of um, just a, a kind of like a regular maintenance uh, action almost on the part of whoever has put that Spornado out there in the field? I mean, how exactly do people determine the frequency with which to go out and collect those cassettes? Uh, or is there some some warning system on the Spornado to help them with that? Um, yeah, no warning system. It's just done on, on a regular interval. Okay. Um, for diseases, you know, that are an issue most of the season, you know, like some of the mildews, um, 
the blights, uh, the monitoring happens every week, you know, for up to 10 weeks um, with a change of uh, once or twice a week. Now in something like canola, uh, where the susceptibility is only in the flowering period, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, it's only a few weeks, but um, sometimes they do it, you know, up to three times a week to really, you know, be able to pinpoint when the disease is there. So management decisions for plant pathogens, they often consider disease cycles and crop management systems together. Uh, how does the Spornado system uh, tailored to managing these specific diseases that can vary a lot in their biology and ecology? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, basically what we're doing is we're just kind of filling out that last corner of that disease triangle, you know, um, traditionally, um, uh, there's been, you know, a lot of work on predictive models using weather. Um, mm -hmm. and then of course you have your host, um, we are kind of that third, we're the path, we're telling uh, when the pathogen is present. So um, it's just another tool in the toolbox of the agronomist or grower. Um, they look at historical information of their own field, what the weather conditions are, and um, base their decisions on, you know, the full picture. And uh, your DNA analysis that your partner labs are doing, uh, is the goal of that to kind of tell uh, the grower tell me everything that's in my field, or is it tell me if this specific pathogen would be in my field? Ah, uh, great question. Yeah, the testing that we do is um, uh, pathogen specific. So we are looking for the, uh, you know, certain disease, you know, so we're looking for sclerotinia specifically. Um, we have done some R&D where we've done whole genome sequences where that does tell you every single fungi that's in the air at that time. Hmm. Uh, it's very interesting, um, <laughs> but it's very difficult to interpret, you know, um, to know really what does that mean. Sure. Yeah. And is that something that a grower has to, or a grower consultant has to, I guess, pre-order at the beginning of the season, say these are the specific fungi that I'm, I'm looking for over the course of the year, or is that kind of just a package that you offer on your end? to say these are the different, you know, uh, spores that we're going to be actually assessing for. Yeah, so at the beginning of the season, um, the grower um, or the agronomist lets us know um, which they are looking for. And we have a number of them that are um, established um, and ready to go. And then also we're always open. We're always adding new diseases to the list. So um, yeah, that's an option as well. So I, I guess thinking market-wise now, you, you've mentioned both growers and agronomists slash crop consultants kind of being users of this particular device. And, and I'm not you know necessarily asking for specific breakdowns on each, uh, I guess, each one of those groups in terms of who your major market is. But I, I am curious to know exactly who is, is kind of driving adoption a little bit more, whether it's consultants that are really looking to, to get an edge for their clients or whether it's growers that are just really interested in, in kind of doing this and seeing this for themselves. Yeah, it, it's been a combination. Often um, the initial push is from researchers, um, government, university, um, and grower groups, you know? Sure. Um, so that's kind of, that's often our like introduction to a new crop. And then once, you know, it, it hits the point of being commercialized, um, you know, it, it's probably 
its majority um, would be agronomists. Um, and then, you know, but not close, far behind uh, actual growers, you know, large growers buying them and, um, you know, managing them themselves as well. Uh, and you mentioned that, that potatoes were kind of the first crop that the Spornado was developed for. What crops exactly has Spornado been demonstrated to work in? And, and were there any design specifications or limitations that each crop had that you've had to adjust the product for? Or is it, is it pretty much standard across a lot of these crops? Yeah, so in terms, the nice thing is um, the equipment itself and the cassettes, um, they can be used um, so far with any crop, any disease. Um, we do start um, when we branch into a new crop to do wind tunnel testing um, hmm. here um, in our lab. Uh, one of the challenges we always have is um, getting positive controls. You know, that's one of the first sure. things that we need to do um, to get the tests up and running. Um, but besides that, you know, we often use um, uh, really well-researched, published um, primers and probes to do the tests. And so that allows us to um, uh, expand very, very quickly. We are in, as you mentioned, grapes, um, canola in Western Canada, wheat, sugar beet, tomato, um, a number of horticultural crops, onions, cucurbits, blueberries. And then this year, we're pretty excited. We have, oh gosh, trials going on for the first time in, I think we're in five or six new crops. Wow. Including, yeah, um, corn, soy, uh, apple, strawberries, and grass for seed. I'm curious how exactly you design those field trials to be able to test whether it's actually, you know, getting the right results uh, and, and whether, you know, the, the information is really being efficacious for the user. Yeah, so some we've done a number of different things. Um, we've done um, some density trials where we've put them, you know, a number of them out in one field to mm -hmm. see if there's much of a difference. Um, we've done some trials at different heights you know, um, sure. to see is, is height going to make a big difference. So for in grape, we put uh, one, you know, way down, um, uh, you know, maybe a foot or so off the ground and then one just above canopy level. Sure. And so what we're finding, um, and it's, it's not overly surprising, I guess, is just with air, there's so much mixing involved. Right. Um, there's so much dilution that, uh, so far, we haven't seen a very large difference in terms of height. Um, so right now, our, our recommendation is that the Spornado is put in around a foot above final uh, canopy. Um, we haven't, yeah, so, and we didn't see uh, much of a benefit of putting them at a, uh, a closer density, excuse me, than 100 acres. And then in terms of, you know, efficacy um, of whether the, the tool is working, we have partners um, in the trial, you know, doing intense scouting throughout and report gotcha. back when they see disease and we compare that versus when we're detecting it in the air. Gotcha. So in that, in that way, I guess you're kind of able to hone in on what exactly that, that predictive window is uh, and really kind of give the growers and, and consultants a good outlook. Uh, for what the disease pressures might be here in a week to 10 days. Exactly, exactly. Gotcha. And so I, I guess on the on the efficacy side, what, what are some of the benefits that 
farmers and consultants are seeing, uh, you know, whether economically or, or just anecdotally from using the Spornado out there in their fields? Yeah, so um, we'll start with the growers. Um, some of the benefits that they're, you know, reporting back to us is, you know, uh, that they'll, they'll get a, a positive result. You know, they will um, go out, scout. They won't see anything, but they'll put on, um, you know, their specific fungicide uh couple the next week they do their sampling or the week after and those results are negative so you know it's giving them uh comfort that they are are uh treating at the right time um in other instances let's say in um uh, eastern canada there hasn't been a lot of for instance late light um the weather conditions haven't been conducive the last season or so mm -hmm. uh also having that added data that there's no spores in the air, you know, gives you a little more uh, comfort to make the decision not to put on that um, fungicide so they can spread out their sprays a bit. Sure. And then in terms of agronomists, um, what they're telling us they like is it saves time scouting. It doesn't replace it, but it definitely, you know, provides more information and can help you where to know where to target your, your scouting or where you can, you know, focus it um and then it's also uh, it's removing some of the guesswork you know um right. you're still looking at weather you're still looking at other other pieces of the puzzle but you know it's it's removing some of the guesswork whether or not the disease is there which is good for them for their recommendations and also good for the grower to be more comfortable with them looking forward do you see ways to leverage the data that's generated from the spornado to predict disease trends like regionally or even spatial trends that are year to year within the same field if you do happen to have multiple different spornado units in that field um i guess i'm kind of wondering if that that initial crop protection company that reached out to you to start developing uh this tool um if they kind of had any vision for that to be kind of the future here yeah, we think that the data could be really, um, really useful in plugging into a lot of the um, exciting predictive models that people are doing already and the other technology, you know, um, the, some of the imagery technology and such. Um, I, we think that it can can really kind of, you know, flesh out this picture of what's going on in the air um, above growers fields. So does Spornado plan to eventually incorporate and any onboard diagnostics and what would be necessary to have that incorporated? Yeah, absolutely. So a couple of things we've done is we have tested um, in-field um, diagnostics. So mm -hmm. you can get um, portable DNA units that you can go into the field and do the testing. Um, there's units that um, use, um, it's called RPA, you know, almost like um, uh, like a pregnancy test, you know, a bar showing sure. uh, type of unit. Um, we've tested both of them. They do work. It still is very cumbersome, you know. Um, widespread use. Are people going to want to be able to, are going to be able to do this like on a tailgate of a truck? Maybe not. It's extremely precise. Um, so uh, in terms of uh, onboard diagnostics, it's definitely in our R&D kind of um, wheelhouse. Um, 
but for us, it probably will not be um, molecular based. We're looking at other um, kind of uh, technologies. Um, there are some uh, in-field molecular tests, um, so uh, real-time tests being developed, but again, um, extremely costly, um, extremely delicate machinery, uh, and you still have to go and you still have to change out the um, uh, consumables in the machine once a week. Sure. So it's still very, very hands-on. Sure. So we're looking at um, developing something that won't require, you know, visits to the site every every week. So what we're we're anticipating is that that telematics will actually go a, a step further and and tell the farmer what is in their field. Awesome. Um, um, but that's still, you know, uh, several years away. And you know, one of the things, what reasons why we did bring Spornado to market now is because. Um, it, it's, it's super easy. It's really inexpensive. It's ready to go. And we really felt that, you know, farmers didn't have another five to seven years to wait for this information. You, they've waited a long time. They've waited long enough, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. And the nice thing is, is, you know, when there's, you know, higher tech that might be appropriate for, for grapes or for horticulture or, or anything in, in North America, this technology um, is really one that can be used internationally. Yeah, that is, a, that is a huge benefit. And I'm just thinking, you know, you said one of these units costs, you know, just several hundred dollars. And I'm thinking about the amount of money that farmers spend on on fungicides or, you know, may need to spend on fungicides in a given year uh, per acre. And if, if only one of these units has to be out there per hundred acres, I mean, that seems like it could be a potentially massive return on investment. Yeah, the ROI um, at this point really does make sense. You know, if you're you're able to um, pinpoint your fungicide use. Um, and then of course there's always saved yield, you know, which is really the, the key, right? Absolutely, yep. We, we've kind of talked about where Spornado is going and, and I'm, I'm not sure, is that what you're most excited about for the future of Spornado? Or are there some other things that, that I guess we didn't ask about yet that you're super excited about in the future uh, for Spornado? Well, of course, we're, we're always really excited to get into different crops and different regions and countries. Um, and, and that is kind of the very exciting for us that this can be used in, in all over the world. Um, but I think right now, one of the things that we're most excited about is um, since we're using DNA analysis, um, at the same time as we're detecting the spores, we can test for fungicide resistance. Hmm. Um, so I'm super excited about that because not only will we be able to tell farmers when to spray, but we can help them tell them what to spray. So we're starting our first trial this summer with um, uh, actually some partners with the Ontario government um, looking at fungicide resistance. So we're testing uh, the spores to see, for instance, are they resistant against BRAC7 group or 11, 13? Wow, that, that's going to be a, a huge benefit, I think. Um, so if, if any of our listeners want to learn more about Spornado, where would you direct them to, to kind of learn more about the technology, where they can get it? Uh, and actually, I'd never even asked you, is it available in the U.S. yet? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we have tons of them in the U.S., yep. And um, we've uh, participated in a couple of uh, excellent U.S. accelerators. Um, so, yeah, we are there. You can find out more about us at spornadosampler.com. 
and we try to keep our Twitter up to date and, and let everybody know what we're up to. And that's just at Spornado Sampler. One thing that we always like to do is we like to end on kind of a piece of advice. So for anybody out there who's listening and wanting to get ahead of disease pressure in, in their crops or uh, the crops of, of some of their clients, what is your piece of advice, uh, I guess, as they're looking at new technologies to do that? Um, I guess, you know, my um, advice would be just to use whatever predictive tools that are available to them in, in the crops that they're in. Um, a lot of the U.S. universities have put out, you know, a lot of weather, weather modeling um, predictive tools. Um, and so if that's what avail is available, um, yeah, use it. Thank you very much to Christine White for joining us today on the Farm Bits podcast. It was great to hear from the CEO of kind of a young startup uh, that has basically turned to technology that was originally built for indoor pathogens or kind of her expertise in indoor uh, fungal pathogens into a, a technology that's very well suited for the agricultural industry. Um, I think my favorite part of the podcast, I guess there, there were two parts of that episode that were pretty intriguing. Number one, being able to tell farmers pretty much what to spray by looking at the resistance within the actual genome of those, uh, those fungal spores that are trapped inside the spornado. And then also how they're looking at leveraging telematics to really improve upon their technology uh, and make it a little bit more accessible for farmers to use. Yeah, I also thought it's a really important technology uh, for working with uh, resistance monitoring um, for scientists to use that as a tool. Uh, also for early detection of the disease, uh, very important. And I also liked how Christine brought up uh, the work uh, moving into more of a international work. I think that is really cool for the future. Absolutely, yeah, we'll get to see a lot of different crops and I'm sure run into, into some new, new challenges along the way. So we thank you very much for joining us today on the Farm Bits podcast. Hope you'll join next week for another episode diving into precision crop protection. Thank you for taking the time to join us today on the Farm Bits podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts to be informed about the latest content each week. We welcome your feedback. So if you have comments or questions for us, please reach out to us over email, on Twitter, or in the review section of your favorite podcast platform. Our contact information can be found in the show notes. We'd like to thank Nebraska Extension for their support of this podcast and their commitment to providing high quality informational material to members of the agricultural community in Nebraska and beyond. The opinions expressed by the hosts and guests on this podcast are solely their own and do not reflect reviews of Nebraska Extension or the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. We look forward to you joining us next week for another episode of Farm Bits.